Okay, friends, the story begins. We are on page 33. We're continuing Pesuke de Zimra, verses of praise. Verses of praise uh, has a, a big chunk of it is the last five chapters of Tehillim, of the book of Psalms by King David. We're on the second of those series of chapters, it's Psalm 146. We started yesterday with the Ashrei, or last week. Feels like yesterday. No. <laughs> with, the, with the Ashrei. We spoke about the significance of the Ashrei. And now we get into the series of the Hallelujah of the various praises. Take a look on 33 on the top, please. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will sing to the Lord with my soul. I will chant praises to my God with my entire being. <clears throat> what does that mean? I'll chant praises to my God with my entire being. I'll sing praises to the Lord with my soul, and I'll chant praises with my entire being. What does that mean? On the most literal sense, before we get homiletical and all spiritual and all, we're going to have a good time. But just literally, what does that mean? Well, perhaps it means with... Uh... Your your neshama, uh, both the uh, uh, the good inclination as well as the bad inclination, all of it, every okay. every, every part of you. Okay, good, good. I love it. I love it. Let's take a look in the Hebrew, because as you know, translations are dangerous. I will not say that this translation is incorrect. I don't have the authority to say that, because the person who translated this is is a wonderful expert, um, and I'm just I'm just a dude, but nothing to do with his translation. I'm just saying translations in general are very limiting because there are multiple translations, there are multiple ways of translating one word, and when you pick a translation, you've automatically took a path, which is good and bad, but take a look on 33 on the Hebrew side. Take a look at the second verse. So the first line right after the two dots in the middle of the line. You see it there? Ahalala Hashem I praise, or I will praise God Bechayai. What's chayai? What's chay? Life. I'll praise God with my life. In English, they translate it as with my soul. But it comes from the word chay, life. I praise God with my life. Azamra, I will sing. Elokai, to my God. Be'odi. What's be'odi? English, they say the be my entire being. Um, comes from the Hebrew word od. You know what the word od means? With my completeness. My completeness. It's it's funny. In, in the if you translate it literally, it's actually the opposite. <laughs> what what does the Hebrew word od mean? I want to say until, but that's odd. Yeah, oh, uh, od. Od uh. means like od literally translates as more. Oh. So that which is superfluous to me, my my uh, secondary to me. What it means, you know, so in the English, they say with my my life, my soul, and that which is secondary to me, my entire being. Here's how the Tanya explains it. The Tanya actually quotes this verse. <clears throat> we haven't read this in the Tanya because it's in a different section. It's in the sec second section of the Tanya, which we, we haven't studied together. And here's how the Tanya reads it. I praise God with my life. That means my soul. And that's the translation they stuck to. 
I sing to God with my being, with that which is secondary to me. What's secondary to the soul? The body. So I praise God with both my body and my soul. Both. Which practically is my spiritual connection. There is my physical connection. There's my passion for God. And then there's the physical things I do to embrace God, mitzvahs, my physical activity. And I'm going to engage both in this relationship. At least I'll strive to. There's a commentary known as the Mitsuda to David. You heard of the Mitsuda to David? It's a it's one of the more well-known commentary. I shouldn't say well-known, but one of the more common commentaries. Common commentaries. Say it six times fast. On the Tanakh, especially on the prophets, and not not it doesn't exist on the Chumash, I don't think, but on the other parts of the Torah of the Bible. And he basically translates words. He's a translator. The Torah and the Bible, especially um, Tehillim and those types of books are very poetic and often very difficult to translate uh, compared to modern Hebrew, compared to even Mishnah or other uh, Jewish literature. It's very poetic and very difficult to translate. So he translates words, and here's how he translates a halala. Let's go back to the beginning of the sentence. Halala Hashem I praise God. Or they say in the English to sing God. It comes from the word halal. Familiar with the word halal? Like we have halal because we're Scottish. How do you praise God? How, you sing to God. That's with. That's 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 vocal. Right, and then the second clause of the sentence, azamra. I will chant praises. The he comes in the Hebrew word zamer. These are all synonyms for sing, but he says the word ahalala halal connotes singing with the mouth. Zamer connotes singing with instruments, instrumentals. You ever heard of a klezmer? You know, what, you know where the word klezmer comes from? It's actually a Hebrew word, kli, which means vessel, zamer, singing, singing vessels, klezmer. So the commentary even said that David says that the azamra, I will sing, it's referring to singing with vessels. That's the body. Singing with the mouth, your breath, that's the soul. And I'm going to praise God with both. And we don't mean just physically, but the 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 whole the way we view our relationship with God is very much like a wedding, uh, uh, like a marriage. The relationship is holistic. The relationship is complete. I can't just be spiritually present, which means just focus on my passion, my love, my reverence. I can't just focus on my physical presence, my duties, I got to be fully there. I got to be all in. I'll tell you a story. And I've told you this story before. I've, I'm recycling. Um, <laughs> one of the advantages, we were, we had a three years of Tanya together. Was it three years studying Tanya? I get to, now that we switched topics, I could teach new things and recycle the old stories. <laughs> And as we, as we, you know, it's funny when we started this class four years ago, it was like, so two years ago, now I get to say seven years ago, <laughs> I get to sound old and wise. No, I'm kidding. But seven years, uh, probably eight, nine, ten years ago, actually, it was just ten years ago. I was in yeshiva. 
I was working as a dorm counselor, dorm, dormitory supervisor. Um, my friend and I, we were working together. And we were there supervising younger students. You know, you get free room and board, you get paid a little bit. And you take attendance and, and stuff like that. So there was a Shabbaton. The yeshiva was going away to somewhere else, to Morristown, New Jersey, for, for the Shabbos. This was in Grand Heights. And my friend, who was the other room counselor, he was the main guy. He was going to be going. And I got a week off, right? Vacation. My friend was sick. And he informed them that he's not going. He can't come. I had a feeling they were going to ask me to fill in. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to fill in. <laughs> I didn't want to go. I wasn't going to say no. So my 20 year old, 21 year old solution was make sure they don't see me. Right? Avoid. <laughs> if they don't see me, they can't ask me and I can't go. Right? Isn't that brilliant? <laughs> Isn't that mature? <laughs> Works every time. I'm passing the rabbi. Can't believe I'm recording this. I'm 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 passing the rabbi and I'm thinking, just don't ask me, don't ask me. Look down, don't make eye contact. We pass each other, and I'm like, yes. And then I hear him from me, oh Josh. I turn around. Oh, shucks. Yes. How can I help you? He says, Mendy can't make it. He's not feeling well. He was supposed to come. Can you come instead? And my expectations have been crashed. On the other hand, I don't want to say no. And I, I know they needed me. So I said, I said, if you want me to come, I'll come. This guy was a brilliant educator. He looks at me, he says, I don't want you to come. I want you to want to come. Let me know. Get back to me. Brilliant. But it's brilliant because I still am repeating that story 10 years later. Because the message really stuck with me. He was a brilliant educator. But that's very, in many ways, how our relationship with God is. I'm not going to twist your arm and force you to do what you got to do. I want you to want to do it. Right? When our spouse has to force us to adhere to our responsibilities, it's come on. Let's like, you finally took the trash out with you when your arm was twisted. You know, that's like, no, no, you just do it with passion. Right? God wants us to praise him, not only with our body, instrumentals, but with our soul, our mouth. He wants the relationship to be holistic. The Torah tells us, commands us to build a temple for God. Right? And it says, make for me a sanctuary and I'll dwell in them. Commentaries point out, why does it say I'll dwell in them as opposed to it? It's a building. Call it an it. Why is it calling it a them? Because it's referring to people. People should also be a house for God. And as part of building a house for God, the most important thing, any rabbi can tell you this, what is the most important thing in having a house for God? Donations. <laughs> this isn't an appeal, but but it, it it takes money to keep a place going. So God's home that he commands us to build. So he tells Moses, take from me donations. Each from each person. I collect a tax from each of the Jewish people and uh, everybody will contribute to building the house for God, the tabernacle in the desert, ultimately the permanent Beit HaMikdash. The Magid of Mezrich. Magid of Mezrich was the successor of the Baal Shem Tov, who founded the Hasidic movement. The Magid of Mezrich translates from each person from each person a little bit more literally. 
It says, Me'it kol ish, collect this donation from each person. Again, translations are dangerous. Kol ish means from the whole person. Moses says, people need to donate, to give to the house, to create out themselves, make themselves a house for God. And it's not just each person that has to give. It's the whole person that has to give. We have to give God not just what we have. We have to give God who we are. Because it's a relationship. That is the model of relationships. Now, this is very ideal. <laughs> Idealistic. It doesn't necessarily represent reality. If we're being honest with ourselves, it's much easier to serve God with the body than the soul. It's much easier to do a mitzvah than to feel passionate about a mitzvah. To feel passionate about a God we don't see. And that's where that's where the whole Tanya comes in. The whole Tanya is about how can I fall in love with a God I don't see? And we learn from the Tanya that the deepest experiences don't come through sight, but come through experiencing beyond that. But it's still a struggle. There's tension. Ideally, we want our body and soul to be in sync, both engaged in this relationship. In reality, there's a lot of tension. Our souls desensitize because we're more in touch with our bodies. And there's a lot of tension. There is. We have our moments. We have our inspirational moments. We have our times when we pray, where we try to ignite that fire, that passion, which is what we're trying to do with these prayers. But at the end of the day, there is real tension in this marriage with God. We have our good times, but we have our difficult times. So I'll tell you an amazing insight from the Alshich, Rav Moshe Alshich. Rav Moshe Alshich is one of the commentators on the Tanakh, on the Bible. He lived in the 1500s. Just to give historical context, he lived in Sfat, where all the many of the Kabbalists lived. He was a student of Rabbi Yosef Cairo, who authored the Code of Jewish Law, the Shulchan Aruch. He was a teacher of Rav Chaim Vital. Rav Chaim Vital was one of the students of the Arizal, famed Kabbalist. He has wonderful insights on Tanakh. Here's what Rav Moshe Alshech says. Let's go back to the Hebrew, please. Or English. Let's yeah, let's go to the Hebrew. I like Hebrew better. Okay. First line. Do you see it? We'll translate again. It's first line right after the two dots because it's the second sentence. Ahalala Hashem Bachayai. I will praise God with my life, Azam, my soul. Azamra Lelokai. I will sing to God with my body. And the Al Sheikh says, wait a minute. I will or I do? Why is it in the future tense? Why is it in the future tense? Time of Mashiach. Exactly. Exactly. Spot on. That's what the Alshech says. When King David said this, he was anticipating the Messianic era. King David realized the reality that the, the, the idea, ideally, we want to serve God with our body and soul. That's what we aspire to. It's not reality. We try to, and we have our moments, we have our inspirational moments, and, and that's what the Tanya is to carry us through until Mashiach comes, you know, so we can get those moments, and hopefully those moments can expand and, and kind of pervade our life. And ultimately, Mashiach will be here. 
but we're not going to get that full holistic experience and understand the full uh, gamut of this relationship with God, this marriage, appreciate the marriage until Mashiach comes. Mashiach is like the consummation of this marriage. And that's why it's in the future tense. This leads us to the second part of this prayer. Let's go back to the English. Um, third line. Do you see it there? Word. Do not place your trust in, I'm going to need help here, Magnificent. Did I get it? That's it? It's, What's man, it's, magnificent. What is Magnificent. Magnificent benefactors. My, I'm telling you, my Hebrew is better than my English. Magnificent benefactors in mortal man, for he does not have the ability to bring deliverance. Okay, don't trust people. Trust no one, my friend. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> who should we trust? Who do we put our trust in? We put our trust in God. Why? We think that we're going to be stable whether it be financially stable or medically stable or mentally stable, whatever it is, if I find the right doctor, if I find the right therapist, if I find the right job, if I find the right whatever it is, whatever type of stability I'm looking for, obviously we need the right agent, but that's not really where it's coming from. That may be whom it's coming through, but that's not where it's coming from. Who, where is it really coming from? It's coming from God. You know what happens when we rely on people? When his spirit, keep reading, when his spirit departs, he returns to his earth. On that very day, his plans come to naught. Fortunate is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose help rests upon the Lord, his God. So if we focus on trusting create the creator rather than creation, we're going to have a lot more uh, stability. A lot more stability in our life. So a munificent benefactor is characterized by great generosity. So a generous benefactor. Mm. Munificent, generous. I did not know that word. Okay, interesting. Saying it means generous? Because I also didn't know it. So yeah, and in, in, if you look in the Hebrew... Um, it's the second line, middle of the line. Al, which is low, don't. Tivtachu, don't trust. Vinedivim. The root word is nadav, to be uh, to donate in donors, <laughs> givers. I guess benefact. But yeah, I guess I guess generous people. Not not to say this isn't to say God forbid that somebody shouldn't be generous. You know, go to God. Like, like the Basham, Somebody once asked the Basham to what lesson could we learn from an atheist? The Basham used to say everything is a lesson in our service to God. Well, what do you learn from an atheist? Then? So he said, when somebody needs your help, be be like an atheist. Don't rely on God. <laughs> help them. Fine. So we should be benefactors. We should be helpful. But in terms of whom we're relying on. We got to rely on the creator, not the creation. Where do we get that strength to trust in the creator, not the creation? You got to be more soul-centered to appreciate that. And that goes back to the beginning of the prayer. Serving God with body and soul. 
when our body and soul are in sync. Because by default, our, our default perspective that we're born into, it's nobody's fault. It's just the reality. This is how God made it. He wants us to fight for our spirituality. The default perspective that we're born into is we're more body-centered, and the soul is something we have to kind of learn about. <laughs> and we develop a sensitivity eventually and know that it's there. Were the soul and body to be in sync, as it will be when Mashiach comes, you don't feel compelled to rely on anybody other than God. You become worry-free. Your faith becomes stable and strong. And you trust and there's nothing to worry about. So the Al-Sheikh continues this theme of anticipating the Messianic era. If my body and soul are not yet in sync, how am I going to trust in the creator rather than creation? Where am I going to get that courage? So the Al-Sheikh says, because you're going, your body and soul will be in sync. Because Mashiach will come, you will one day have that clarity. Live that way now. This is a an important value, by the way, in, in, in modern psychology, I think. And not just psychology, you know, in the human psych. Start living the reality you want to have instead of just wishing you had it. <laughs> right? We want to live in Mashiach times. We want to live in Mashiach zone. Start by trusting in God. In other words... In reality, if I'm being honest, my body and soul are not in sync. But let me let me imagine as if they were. What if my body and soul were in sync? What if my body um, accommodated my soul rather than hid me from it? <laughs> Which means that drive that I have for a nice cold Diet Coke would drive me to want to study more Torah. Right? Imagine I had that. My body and soul really were in sync. What would it feel like? What would I be? How? What would my motivation look like? What would indicate that my body and soul were in sync if they were? Now start behaving that way. Everything you everything you said and did would be in the service of Hashem. Right. Right. With with passion, not just you know. I wouldn't just be doing it with, like we are kind of now, but with with the so the Alshach says, start doing that now. Because if if our body and soul were in sync, we would have no problem trusting in God. Well, one day they will be in sync. Just trust in God now. Start living that reality now. Create it now before it happens. Anticipate it. You know what we call that? Betachon. That's what trusting God is. I don't trust in God because things are good. Things are good because I trust in God. Trust creates reality. Well, in a previous class, I think you said when you have Bitcoin, it creates a vessel for the good to happen. It, exactly. So say, same idea. Same idea. So I'll get I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. You see this another place in Davening. There's another area where you see this in Davening. Take a look on page. Um take a look on page 36. This is a spoiler alert. I'm now going to have to find other stuff to say because it's only three pages away. You're going to remember. <laughs> Still a few weeks. Okay, we got some time. <laughs> okay, bottom paragraph. The Song by the Sea. Are we familiar with the Song by the Sea? Jewish people cross the sea. The sea splits for them. Miracle happens. And they celebrate. 
the song by the sea, the Azyashir. They pull out the tambourines and they start celebrating. They start dancing. Which, by the way, just parenthetically, not 100% relevant to our discussion here, but when miracles happen, got to dance. <laughs> got to celebrate. Notice even the small miracles so we could dance, we could celebrate. What does it say? Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord, and they declared, saying, I will sing to the Lord. Okay, let's go to the Hebrew for a second. As you know by now, translations. Dangerous. Let's translate this literally. Az, Az means then. Yashir Moshe Uvne Yisrael. Moshe and the children of Israel, Yashir, will sing. Not that they did sing, they will sing. That's how you translate it, literally. And commentaries, many, many commentaries address this question. They just crossed the sea. Why would it say, and they will sing? So some say Moses was prophesizing about the Messianic era, which didn't yet happen. There's a there's a powerful insight from Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Bardichev. Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Bardichev was a uh, Hasidic leader, Hasidic rabbi, who was a student of the Magad of Mezrich, the successor of the Basha Amtov, just to give historical context, um, more historical context. He was Mechotanim. You know what a Mechotan is? There's no, there's no English word for Mechotanim. When your child marries somebody, so they're in-laws, that's your Mechotanim. So your kid gets married, right? Their spouse's parents, that's your that's called your mechutanim. Non non-blood relative? Non yeah, your your basically your child's in-laws, your child's parents in laws are your mechutanim. I somebody told me <laughs> I thought this was funny. They said, you know why there's no word for this in English? Because in in secular culture they don't talk to each other. <laughs> But in 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 uh, it's just a joke, <laughs> but um, but there's a word for it in Yiddish or in Hebrew. Mechutanim are are your child's in laws. Okay, so Reb Levi Yitzchak was a mechutan to the Alter Rebbe, the author of the Tanya. Their children married each other, or maybe grandchildren. I don't know, but but anyways, they had a relationship with each other. So here's what he says. Okay, we got so distracted, but here's what he says. Levi Yitzchak says like this. Why does it say, then Moshe and the children of Israel will sing? The implication is they started singing before the miracle happened. They trusted that the miracle was going to take place and they started dancing and singing, knowing that they were going to be delivered. And that's what brought deliverance. Their trust in God. They didn't trust because it was good. It was good because they trusted. It created that vessel. So similarly, going back to page 33, the al says, imagine your body and soul were aligned. Start living in that reality. Start living in the Messianic reality. And when you do that, you don't have to rely on people. Obviously, you need to interact with people. But you know the ultimate source is the, the creator, not the creation. And we know that the creator has an amazing track record. And that's kind of the rest of the prayer, talking about the track record of God. Let's we'll let's read through it real quickly because it's actually just meaningful on its own. We're on. Um, let's start from the third line. 
you know, let's take it from the beginning. Let's take it from the top. We'll read it in English and we'll we'll plug in our our new interpretation here. Sounds good. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh my soul. I will sing to the Lord with my soul. I will chant praises to God with my entire being. So I praise God with my body and soul. My body and soul will be in sync, although they're not in sync now. I'll try to get them in sync to the extent that I'm able and start living in that uh, paradigm, that reality, the messianic reality. When I do that, I'll have the courage to not place trust in magnificent benefactors, in mortal man, in creation, but rather the creator. For he doesn't have the ability to bring deliverance. When this, Because when his spirit departs, right, he's temporary. God isn't temporary. People are temporary. When his spirit departs, he returns to the earth. God isn't dying anytime soon. On that very day, his plans come to naught. Fortunate is he whose help is from is the God of Jacob, whose hope rests upon the Lord as God. He makes the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. He's the creator of the world. So why would I trust in the world more than its creator? He keeps his promise faithfully forever. God has a good track record. And by the way, when you think about it, think about the track record that God has had. How God, you know, there's so many times where we can think of each on their own that that, that had, you know, you thought something wasn't going to work out and it did. God delivered. He renders justice to the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. There's probably less starving people now than there ever was in history. I'm not saying hunger is not a real issue, but it's less of an issue than it ever was. We're starting to get closer and closer to the Messianic era. The Lord releases those who are bound. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. Which, by the way, in the Messianic era, we're going to have clarity. The Lord makes erect those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He gives strength to the orphan and the widow. And he thwarts the way of the wicked. Anybody know what that means? Uh, like, just, like divert? I was just going to say that some of these are like from the initial blessings we say. Yes, yes. Pokeach. Ivrim, when he opens the Rezokef Kafufim, they're probably based on these verses. So thwarts is like placing obstacles before. So he gets in the way, tries to. He gets in the way of the wicked, prevent. right? Yeah. Which another way to look at that is. You're trying to do bad, and God is going to try to stop you. You still have free choice, but you know the God gives us opportunities to not uh, not do that. The Lord shall reign forever, your God, O Zion, throughout all generations. Praise the Lord. Right, God, again, what is the Hebrew word for forever in the Hebrew? The Olam. God is relevance to this world. Again, that's that's a messianic attitude. Essentially, God is relevant, but to see and feel and to know that God is relevant, that's a messianic attitude. And for it to perpetuate from generation to generation, the door of the door, that's a messianic attitude. And as the al Sheikh says, let's start celebrating that now. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. 